Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of SalesOps Demystified. And on this very special episode, we've been joined by... Special guest. Our official mascot called Earth. Cool. Uh, <laughs> say hello to everybody. There we are. Um, Cutest member of the team. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> um, so, uh, we're also joined by Josh in the background. Hello, Josh. And most importantly, Kirsty. Thank, Thank you. you. If you've ever watched an episode before, you've probably heard about Kirsty, especially last week with Alex. Um, <laughs> Kirsty, last night, or or every month, or every two weeks. Every month. Every month, hold the sales ops. What's the, the name of the actual name of the meetup? London Sales Operations Meetup. The London Sales Operations Meetup. Um, How many members have you got now? Uh, 180. No. 180, mm-hmm. and there was about 50 people there 50. last night. Mm-hmm. And it was a big one last night, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, it was really good. Standing room only by the end of Really? It. Yeah, yeah. What did you learn, Henry? Um, I learned about uh, RAG. So mm-hmm. red, amber, green mm-hmm. for for tracking opportunities. Uh-huh. Um, it kind of gives, I think, it gives a certain sentiment about opportunities and forecasting. I think it's a really effective way, as well as using opportunity stages, using those those very simple red, amber, green sure. lights on opportunities. Nice. So yeah, I'm, I think we're probably going to implement that into uh, great, super interesting. Mm-hmm. And and there was also um, Jay, uh, who used to work at IBM, now works at Doctify. That was seriously interesting him hearing him talk about the differences between working at a massive company like IBM and working at a very small startup like mm-hmm. Doctify, the differences between the two was really tremendous. Sweet. Um, so I guess we'll do a little call to action before we even start. If I Google London Sales Operations Meetup, mm-hmm. will I go to the Meetup page? Yes. Okay, yes. cool. So if anybody's interested um, in London, I know you record the talks as well, right? Yeah, yeah, just the audio we do. Okay, mm-hmm. so if someone could, if they're in like New York, could still attend well. Mm-hmm. Say they're a member to the meetup and mm-hmm. get the audio afterwards. Yep. I always send it out to all the members. After. Sweet. So if anybody is interested, highly recommended from pretty much everyone we've had on the show. Um, some admin before we start. Any questions, Josh is on the chat. Uh, you may notice there might be a slightly crisper picture and audio because we've invested in some new equipment. Um, slides are down in the corner. Uh, again, the slides are not, there's not no real content on the slides, just some kind of bullet points that we're going to be chatting through. Um, we have 
now actually a standard eight to 10 questions that we're going to be asking every guest. Um, so you should see some continuity with episodes. So this, I think we believe, uh, based on feedback, is going to give more, a more like engaging talk because we'll have the same questions every time, which we believe are the questions that people actually really care about. Um, any more admin points before we start? Nothing from me. Cool. Okay. So welcome. Um, and so I, I think what was quite interesting is that we asked Alex last week mm -hmm. and we had a great time with Alex. Alex is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And he'd already recommended you. Could you actually co-run the meetup? Yes. But then one of the questions we asked right at the end is who is like a sales off ninja that you recommend that we speak to? And he yeah. said, you again. Did he? Yeah. Oh, very he said, you have to speak to Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm really excited about the talk. Um, I'm probably going to hand over to Henry to kick things off. Well, I think maybe talk about how you. Yeah, I think I think maybe Kirsty just needs to introduce herself exactly what exactly what your role is, mm -hmm. what company you work for, um, what you kind of do day to day. Mm. Yeah, so um, I I'm head of sales operations at a scale up company called uh, Signal. When I joined about nine months ago, it was kind of reaching the end of the kind of the startup phase. So it's been a bit of a transition with doubled our team in six months. Nice. Yeah, the company's now at about 130 people with 60 when I started. So a lot of growth and yeah. a lot of that, in fact, most of that's come from the commercial team. So uh, hiring sales reps and SDRs yeah, and that's management really, that needs to come with it. It'd be really interesting. Mm -hmm. that's yeah, yeah. How, how many sales people? So we now have 37, I believe, globally. So in that time, we've opened uh, an office in New York as well. And we're also got a, a feet on the ground in Asia now as well. And you're a head of sales operations, so you're responsible yeah. for sales operations. Yeah. So I started off as manager, um, but now because it was with me and it was a new role mm. for the company, um, but now we've grown the team to currently three, but we're hiring two more people. Sure. And in terms of the management, the, the, that 37 sales people, is that just reps or does that include the management team and the sales team as well? What that I work with? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I report directly into the CRO. Cool. Who our VP of sales also reports into. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. I, I'd be interested to talk to you about how you how you manage people at distance, how, how you can get the best. Out yeah, of is it with difficulty really? Um, we obviously we use Slack a lot, which is really useful. Yeah. Um, but when what's what's really challenging in the situation is there's five new sales reps over there, all completely new to Signal. And there's no one leading them that's yeah, right. been worked at Signal because our president over there is new as well. Sure. So we're really trying to give them as much uh, love and attention. We brought them over here for our kickoff in January um, originally. So they all came over, spent two weeks here yeah. um, and did loads of onboarding, spent loads of time with like, the product team, the marketing team. Um, Understand the culture of the business. Exactly, yeah. And our CEO actually went over a few weeks ago and he met the people that we've hired since that kickoff. The difference in kind of who they, like the culture of the company, how they fit in, like, if they had a problem knowing who to go to to get the answer, sure. we're so, cul um, so culpable that from now on, every hire we make in America, we're going to bring them up to London for two weeks nice. just for them to make those connections mm. and get absorbed in the culture as well. I think it's the best thing to do. Mm. I know that obviously Salesforce do that with all their new recruits. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they need to send them. I'm pretty sure they all go to San Francisco for at least a week's onboarding. Nice. I think Conga do it as well. Mm. Um, it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Gets people all on the same wavelength. Yeah. And it's an investment in your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It shows them an investment. Mm -hmm. Get them on board a lot quicker. 
Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into sales operations? So, well, I've learned over my meetup, actually, that there doesn't seem to be, the kind of traditional route, I guess, is starting as like a sales force administrator mm-hmm. and being promoted up. But I came from a very, very different background. So I did applied science at university and ended up as a chemist in um, GlaxoSmithKline. Yeah. yeah, so I was analysing um, finished goods and kind of signing them off for um, what sale to anything intravenous yeah, through my finished goods as in from Finland no, no as in um, manufactured goods okay, right. as in anything that was injected intravenously came because we had 17 different products we were testing all the time that is vastly different to what you do now well, well no yeah. I actually also studied chemistry mm, um, did you and <laughs> Uh, you have to be very analytical, exactly. which I think is what we're going to get into. Exactly. So I actually almost feel like all roads have kind of led to this, actually. Yeah. And I, I definitely now have like found my career. But So I started at GlaxoSmithKline, mm. and then I was offered um, a place on a graduate scheme in London. Mm. So I deferred in, for in a year. In science or in? No, in research. Mm. So I deferred it for a year and then came down to London to start on the graduate scheme, um, which was working in quantitative research. So actually a lot of parallels again. And I was basically... It was, um, we have a big database and I was working with various brands. And it was all shopper uh, data. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at that huge database and pulling stories and like uh, working out why certain brands were growing, why other brands weren't, how, what kind of strategy could they use mm-hmm. to, to further grow their brand. Um, so again, very similar. It's kind of just analytical yeah, research yeah. science. Um, and that's why I stayed in, in research for a while. And then um, I'd always been really interested in, well, I originally thought sales would be the worst job in the world. And I said many times I would never work in sales. Um, and then actually working in a more commercial environment was quite interested in it. So I moved into the sales team as a consultant mm-hmm. for the software that we were selling um, and was very involved in pitching, um, like kind of redesigned the proposal deck. I was like very involved in all of the big, bigger value deals. It was basically like a pre-sales role. Yeah. Um, so I got a lot of exposure to the sales um, side there and then my friend basically got a job at Signal and mentioned about the sales op- mm-hmm. role that was going so this was my first sales op role and so that was nine months ago yeah May the over. first started here do you think it's been a steep learning curve or do you think yeah. you already had the skills necessary so it was kind of kind of straightforward I think yeah a bit of both really because learning uh, I've always worked for massive companies until I started working here so making the, the shift to a startup was incredibly different you can imagine yeah, um yeah and, and it, but it's also like vastly more exciting in, in my opinion because we're not chasing a kind of two three percent growth we're chasing 100 percent growth all the time mm-hmm. so and 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 also with it being a new role being able to make one change you can immediately see the impact yeah um, i suppose last night jay was talking about working in ibm mm-hmm. it, it was extremely structured and everything was extremely structured and mm-hmm. to a certain frame uh, framework and I suppose you you were the one defining the framework out signal. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Really fun. Mm, and I think because it's a smaller team as well, I know that previous companies where I've worked in the Paddle Sales Operations role, it's been a hugely like reporting, basically running numbers, being a kind of admin role, really. Um, but here, because it's so new and it's all exciting and, and it's not just new to me, it's new to my manager at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um so we kind of grew and just we just identified what needed doing and that was the priority really. Super interesting. Mm. Um, and so the next question on the list is about what you think makes the awesome sales person. I think mm. we've kind of touched on that already. If you'd like to elaborate. Yes, I think I think from from my experience anyway. Obviously, like attention to detail. You know that you need that to be a sales operations person. But I think 
um, specifically talking from a startup perspective, you just need to be willing to get stuck in with everything. Because um, I was laughing the other day. Um, what, like, on the one hand, I was like helping define the strategy for our American office, mm. and then the next minute, I was like pulling two reps apart that were squabbling about who should get which lead. You know, so it's just oh. such a, um, a variety of like levels of, of, of projects, and sometimes it's really in the weeds, and sometimes it's really high level, which is what keeps it really interesting. Who got the lead in the end? <laughs> well, the right Jeez. person. The right person yeah. We use data to decide that. Exactly. And you're, in your very strict processes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Foolproof every time, exactly. of course. Yeah. There's no like fringe cases. No, 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 no grey areas. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, willingness to get stuck in, I think, mm. and also organisational, because I think sales ops can very easily become a jumping ground. Um, mm. I think you know, if, to what makes a good sales ops person, in my mind, is someone who gets stuff done, mm. which sometimes means that you just become that go-to person. Mm. So, you know, if something needs doing, curse, you'll get it done. And sometimes yeah. you, have to be, you have to be aware of, like, be willing to get stuck in, but be aware of what's actually going to add value and move the needle and isn't just kind of... Do you, yeah. um, do you document all the work that you, all the changes that you carry out? A bit, a no. bit like a platform, like a CRM platform owner, they're meant to document everything they do. So mm. if, if they was get hit by a bus, people can come in and understand what's been done. Yeah, um, so we, we try to use Trello a bit for that in terms of like projects that have currently been worked on that completed what's been marked and parked. Um, I did start when I first started here. I did try. I did used to keep record of things like that. But then, just you can imagine. Too much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, a, real, a big question that I find fascinating, actually, that we bring up every time, mm. is the point about needing sales experience. Mm. So, you didn't. Like, Not. I didn't have a number. No, I was working very closely with sales reps in in the previous role. Mm. Okay, cool. But um, do you think it's necessary? Sales experience. Mm. I don't think so, because you should be working so closely with the head of sales. And you, I think it helps, obviously, because you can be more sympathetic to their workflows, mm. what's likely to work, what's likely to be rejected, what's likely to be adopted if you're, if you're more sympathetic to their, to their world. But I think what's been really key to my role is I've always worked so closely with the head of sales. And obviously, that's, they're experts at that. So you should be giving each other advice and sounding ideas off each other anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, so you need to be experts in your fields. You're an expert in, in the operations of sales. Exactly. They're, they're an expert in sales. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Being really good at particular subjects. And quite, I mean, very often what makes you a very good sales rep would not make you a very good yeah, manager right. or, you know, yeah, yeah. a team player. So one characteristic, sorry to be on the spot, that you need to be good at sales, you need to have to be good at sales, that mm. wouldn't necessarily help you in sales operations. Uh, well, I mean, it sounds negative, but we always say the best sales reps are quite inherently selfish because they're just so focused on their number and getting mm. to that number yeah. that it makes them not a team player. So to move from just being focused on your number, mm. I mean, sales is a team sport, we all get that, but the single-minded people who will do anything to hit their target at the end of the month or quarter, um, moving from that role into a role where actually it's other people that are accountable for your number yeah. and, and you're, it's a team, purely a team, it's yeah. such a hardship. So how, how, can you, how can you train, how can you get the right characteristics for salespeople? Because are you, are you, do you help interview salespeople on the way in? Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. how do you get the right characteristics in a salesperson that means they are a team player and they obviously can hit their number at the end of the quarter. Yeah, I think it's about focus and prioritisation. Is it? It's always about moving the needle, I guess, okay. at the end of the day. I'm being aware of that, um, but also someone that's got an... If you've got one rep smashing it and then 16 yeah. not, then obviously that's, that's terrible. So you need to have someone that's willing to help. Yeah. Um, you need to have a mix of people in the sales team, don't you? Sure, yeah. And how do you, you analyse the activities of 
I can talk about this all night, but how do you analyze the activities of someone who's a very good sales rep and actually try and get those things they're doing onto the, the less good sales reps? What do you, what, how do you do that? Do it's you a great that? question, actually. We're trying to do that at the moment. We're trying to work out what is, what, for example, what's our best cadence? What's our best like touch points, activity mm-hmm. ratios? Do we just need to hit the, the phone all day? Should we be supplementing that with you know emails and SMS or something that we got demoed today? Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, an SMS from Salesforce? Just... Um, it's actually we were had a demo with a tool called Groove, and it's oh, all yeah. built into their yeah, cadence. Yeah. <laughs> then you can, you can create cadence in Groove. They'll go email, phone. Well, remind you to phone. Mm. But it yeah. can actually even add them on LinkedIn for you. It can like oh, automatically add them. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. It was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, we were quite impressed by it actually. Yeah, nice. Um, that actually leads nicely on to our next question. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your current tech stack for sales so we are reviewing at the moment we have a lot of tools um obviously salesforce yeah um but then we have a really good tool uh called insight squared which sits on top of our salesforce and that visualizes everything in pretty much in real time so that's actually where our ceo lives now um he doesn't actually go into he doesn't even have a login for our salesforce anymore can he not do the dashboard in salesforce uh, yes, but I think he prefers Insight Squared because you can dig. You've got your chart on Insight Squared, which is you know you've got a dashboard. It's got all the correct filters on because I'm sure like any Salesforce, if you forget to put a certain type of filter on, or oh, filter it not to CS and just to sales, yeah. you can end up with 16 different numbers for the yeah. same metric. So yeah. um, everything in Insight Squared, we know if you, you're going from the dashboard, it's got all the correct filters on. Mm-hmm. So you can click into the chart and then you can add lots of filters. You can change your time zones. You can, you know, click into certain deals. You can get right into all of that detail mm-hmm. right in Insight Squared. So it's a really good tool for kind of just digging through the data and visualizing it all really clearly. Nice. Big mm-hmm. up to Insight Squared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, drop them in there. Um, so we use Insight Squared for the visualization, which is a great manage- management tool. Mm. Um, we also use Sales Loft, so from our yeah, prospecting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, we use um, Gong, which is a call recording software powered by AI, which is great, um, but we're not getting full value from it at the moment. So that connect you can analyze voice yeah so it, it integrates with your calendar so every call that's in your calendar it's got a screen share link mm. into it it'll just automatically join and it records the screen and the audio mm. and at the end of every call you get um an email and it analyzes you against that because they've got thousands and thousands of data points, well, millions of data points and it tells you where you are against best practice so like did you ask enough questions did the conversation flip enough do you spend too long talking on this particular topic for example because I, I used to work in, the, in that in that kind of space mm. and it, the problem with voice recording and transcription and analysis mm. is, that, is that sometimes you have to have a machine do all the listening for you and give you some results that mm. you can do because otherwise there's just too much information you can't listen back to calls to to see how good they will yeah exactly it's a waste of time yeah you need, you need a machine to do it for you mm-hmm. And it, it gives them recommendations as well. So we had bad words um, yeah. programmed in. So things like sort of, um, mm. mic, um, uh, you know, all of those kind of yeah. bad filler words. And we have a rep who has done some kind of sales movement before. And she's always said to all the reps that she trained, you can never, ever sit on the fence. If someone asks you how much something costs, you have to have conviction in what you're saying. Mm. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, the, the, the prospect's never going to trust you. Licking <laughs> my feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
And she got her first gun call recording emailed out to her. Yeah. And she'd, in a 20-minute call, she'd said sort of 17 times. Yeah. And she was horrified. And then the next call that she did, she said it twice, because just because she was more aware. Yeah. And that's all automated coaching. So that's not her manager having to sit and listen to the call and give her feedback yeah. on it. It's all done automatically. Yeah. Does, does that tie into Salesforce as well? So can you see that against... Uh, the lead or the opportunity, whatever whatever stage you're at. The actual, uh, so it, feed, it links to Salesforce in that um, what's really nice is if you're ever look, searching for calls, so I want to listen to, um, for example, when a new rep starts and I yeah. want to give them call recordings, um, every recording is timestamped with everything from Salesforce. Okay. So I could look for a call that was at um, a trial kickoff stage, for example, has now gone on to closed one and has a value of over, I don't know, like £20,000 associated right. with it. And it was by a certain ref or in a certain industry. You can apply any filter that you've got in Salesforce, you can yeah. apply, That's cool. which is really useful. Yeah, really useful. Mm. Anything, any, other, any other technology? Um, other technologies. So we have, we're looking to bring in a dialer yeah. because GOM can only integrate with soft phones, not hard phones. Sure, mm. yeah. Um, What's the difference between a and a hard phone? Well, hard phones mm. are physical phone. Mm. Uh, so like a desktop soft phones phone. are yeah. like, a, like a, could be a web phone or a... Computer program. Mm. LinkedIn nice. Sales Navigator, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we use like join.me for our screen share. Um, we use DocuSign. Sure, we've yeah. now baked that right into our process. So from Salesforce, you just click to generate the order form. It's all done automatically, and then you can send it through um, DocuSign. Yeah, so you've got that way. You, you, so you click better. a button, and it'll ping out the order form. Mm. Yeah. On the opportunity. So if you're in the opportunity, yeah. Yeah, just hit the button. And as long as all the addresses and everything are correct, yeah. it flags anything that's not correct. Um, and then I, it comes to me, I approve it, finance nice. approves it, and then they can, the rep can just send it out. Yeah, it's super effective. Like, mm. also do products similar to that. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, really it works. just made the whole process like so much more streamlined than it used to be, you know, with Word docs, yeah, getting edited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. You've also got full audit control as well, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. And what's your favourite? Um, everything that you use. I don't know, I'd maybe say Gong, just because of the, the added value that it can bring. Um, but we, we're very aware, because one of the things you can do in it, for example, is build a library. And we've just never done it. We've never given it the time it really deserves. So we're going to get this dialer in and then yep. do a full relaunch um, of it internally to make sure everyone's using it and everyone's getting value from it. Um, and then do the, yeah, have it all kind of in the process. Because a sales rep, a brand new sales rep can walk in and actually benefit from that day one. Yeah. So we could say, like, here's a 30 second um, snippet, which is us doing some great objection handling, put that in that folder. Here's a great demo. Here's some great mm. negotiation discussions. Um, and the other thing that Gong can do, actually, which is really cool, is because it recognizes all the words, we can set up various trackers. Mm. So we've got our common objections set up as trackers. And every call that that objection is brought up in, yeah. it pings an email to the product team. That so they get an alert so they can see, right. And it helps us build business cases because it also yeah. charts it over time. So we can say um, over time, look, it, X percent of calls, they keep mentioning this particular feature that we don't have. We know it's on the roadmap, but, you know, this is how many people are asking us about it. And then we can link it to obviously what's been closed last. That's very intelligent. Mm. And I take it, so uh, for going to work, this is a bit technical, but mm. you have to have stereo sound. Would it be... Left, you know, you talk about left and right in the mm. area. One side would be the prospect, and one side would be the, the user. Mm. Uh, I take it you can't do it in mono, can you? Because you can't split out the voice file. I think so um, if you've got phone systems that are delivering in stereo, I think mm-hmm. you could use. I think that's what it Right, I'm not sure. Mm. But I do know that it manages to pick up who's talking. Obviously, for a shared line, it's very obvious. It just knows who's, because it does it through join.me. Um, but our dialer also integrates with, and it knows 
because it shows you a little picture like where the conversation flips and who's talking when. Right. I'm not sure about the stereo one or thing then. Very cool. So we have another question. Mm. Do we have any questions on online yet? You continue on. Another tool actually that I was going to mention is, which is a really simple one, it's not really a sales ops one, but obviously in sales ops, you end up organizing quite a lot of events and we always like to try and get a few knees up in the uh, calendar. And um, I thought everyone used a Doodle. Have you used Doodle before? Because no, oh, I, I started using it to organize our, we're having a team night out tomorrow. Um, so it's a free tool. Mm-hmm. You just go to doodle.com, I think it is. And you just put in the dates mm-hmm. that you could do it. And then you just send it to anyone you want and they come in and tick which dates they can do. And they can uh, say, like, could do it a push and put it as orange instead of green. And it makes it so easy to organise events outside of work time. Mm-hmm. I would I mean, really recommend it. I think the, the, tech, the tech team in our business, um, they were doing some quizzes with the entire team, with the entire business, about products and, I think there were, like, 30 questions on the quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> it's an amazing piece of technology. Right. Great. Well, thank, well, you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. We do, we do have a question actually uh, related to the, the skip bringing on all these salespeople, mm. the onboarding process. So, what are like a couple of things that you've done that have been really effective with that onboarding process for these salespeople? Good question, actually, because um, that was one of my first projects was reducing the ramping time because okay. we were we were hiring people and finding that some of them were it was taking like six to nine months before they made their first sale, um, which is when it's not a huge enterprise deal and that average lead, uh, our average deal length is about three months isn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took um, a really close look at it and I brought in a, an onboarding program as a company we're about because we've hired so many people as a company we've actually mm-hmm. brought in a fortnightly cadence. And every two weeks, for example, I run a sales onboarding session for anyone that started oh, in the really? last two weeks. Nice. So marketing do one, like the different product teams do oh. one, all of the success teams do one. Every every single weeks. new employee yeah. gets put through that two-week cadence. Nice. So that's all of the company onboarding. And what we do is we supplement that with sales onboarding. Mm. So we try and split it like morning and afternoon. So the first two to three weeks that someone's at Signal in the sales team anyway, they have their morning and afternoon training sessions every nice. day every and day. it's on a different topic. Yeah, so we now have a set. Uh, plan and then we have a buddy theme so just for the onboarding um period of three months probation or you know it might be ex- extended um they have a buddy and they have to have a weekly hour go out for a coffee nice. chat even if you think there's nothing to bring up still go out because mm. something will come up and that's it's not to train them or to manage them it's just purely to answer questions around the culture you know our en- our head of engineering uses an example that uh, we have a 10 o'clock stand-up in the engineering team and in a lot of companies it's not very compulsory you can turn up a bit late but for our a vp of engineering that is a really important meeting if you're not going to be there for 10 you need to tell them that you're going to be late or tell someone so that they know where you are and that's just a cultural thing so that's the kind of thing that you would learn from your buddy nice. uh, so we have the buddy scheme and then i've actually introduced tests which just creates <laughs> a little bit of urgency so um i guess quite normal you have like a demo test so mm-hmm. before you rep start doing discovery calls uh, or demos we have a discovery call test and we have a demo test and i'll just pick a LinkedIn profile of someone in their territory so it's a, that, that could be a prospect and then they go away and do the research, run the discovery call with us or with one of the reps. That gets passed, they use what they learned in the discovery call for the demo and then they do the demo test. Um, and then the final test that we do is, and you have to pass all three of these to pass your probation, is a written test all about like our product and our competitors no. and why, why our personas find particular um, features like added value. Yeah. And that's something that everyone in the company ended up doing. Sounds pretty comprehensive. Yeah. It's similar to what uh, Justin does. With uh, Meryl. Well, they do tests. 
Yeah, they, they have a test process. Nice. And I think there's only two two stages. Mm. Be correct. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the, well, the proof in the pudding because we had our one of our reps uh, signed a deal in the second month last month. That's really no, good. yeah, really good. <laughs> and that's not everyone, but yeah. <laughs> so he didn't inherit it. From... No, he didn't. It was it was he'd prospected it himself, really so good. he did really well. Yeah, very impressive. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do you deal with data quality? And how does your role cross over with the CRM owner? Mm. So again, yeah, we do. So the our um, kind of head head of CRM kind of uh, role that sits underneath me now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he used to sit in the marketing team, which didn't. It just meant that he was the gatekeeper for the CRM, which is crazy when it's a Salesforce tool. Yeah. So he's moved into our team now, and we work really closely. And obviously. Because of my background as well, I'm not a Salesforce admin person, so I really need someone in my team mm. who is an expert in that and can be the sure. gatekeeper. So we work really closely together. It's generally me. It's working out anyway. It kind of tends to be me having ideas, and then he tells me how we can get there, kind of thing, okay. <laughs> and keeps me like grounded. And says, no, that's that won't work because of X or Y. Isn't it? Isn't it a Salesforce admin meant to ask why? Exactly. Three, or three times. Yeah, yeah. he's if, very if good can, at that. If yeah. you give an answer for you know each time, mm-hmm. they might consider your. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't make me do tickets anymore. But <laughs> just to quickly jump in, we have a question about recommended sales enablement tools. We mentioned Sales Loft. Mm. Um, yeah. So I guess the question is, would you recommend, or are there any others that you know? Um, in terms of tools, I don't think we really use one. We're, we're actually hiring a sales enablement person, so we're going to bring someone in to do that. And I think someone with experience in our buyers is going to be really key. So knowing, understanding the world of our buyers and understanding our product positioning. Sure. Um, yeah, we, I don't use any particular tools. So, and how do you deal with data quality in your mm. Yeah, so that's a big project. So we've, we've actually got a, quite a poor quality at the moment. We've, we've kind of bought data from various sources over the years. Yeah. We've got a lot of duplicates in there. Um, so we're trying to kind of explore two options. One is like the kind of tech answer to it. So we're we're currently looking at various different data providers that we just want to have a proper relationship with, but, but that really integrate with our sales, sales force. Yeah, yeah. So we can, as we go, we can clean up the data. Um, secondly, we've actually made another hire. So we've got it's almost like a data uh, entry level role, mm-hmm. and like he, a data analyst yes, like a sales. We've called it sales analyst, but he's basically he's coming in purely just to clean our data, input data, make yeah, sure yeah. the reps have all got enough data. Just because it's got to that point where it's it's slowing down our productivity and it's, sure, it's creating yeah. quite a lot of friction, yeah. especially with our new office in America. You can imagine they're, they're all starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, so we thought it was, we're just kind of throwing everything at it really to try and get it started as quickly as possible so we're using exploring different technologies um we're reviewing around eight tools or something at the moment we've had reps trialing everything it has been it's been quite a, a coordinating task um but we've got a couple shortlisted that we're pretty confident in. but our, our key requirement of those providers is that it has to integrate it has to have a, like everything needs to be in salesforce that needs to be a yeah. point of truth i think jody last night was talking about getting reps back into salesforce yeah. don't have too many tools just try and get them focused because salesforce mm-hmm. can offer a lot mm-hmm. sometimes plugging another tool in isn't the answer yes yeah. exactly so it's that true mm-hmm. we do have an interesting question i'm not sure if it's relevant for salesforce maybe sales management but how mm-hmm. long do you test a new sales strategy before you stop doing it if it's not working, I'm not sure if that's relevant. If not. Yeah, um, well, I, actually, I, I have a little bit of an opinion on it because um, from my previous manager uh, in my previous job, and he was our VP of sales and marketing, and he always said, 
managing a sales team is like managing a football team and there are so many parallels mm. like he would use it all the time as an analogy oh that's so true that makes sense and he would always say just stick to strategy like mm. don't knee jerk right give it a quarter and it's not worked and change it you know just use data mm. to see why maybe it's not working can you tweak it mm. um, and i'm not saying if it's you know, you know terrible and it's collapsing on its knees and you should not firmly stick with it don't change mm. it um but yeah he's you know there's not many quick wins in strategy and he's mm. it's more like a shift that you, you guide isn't it so you need to be consistent Mm-hmm. over a period of time and try and tweak within the strategy exactly. before yeah. completely. Iterative, yeah, learn, learn as you go. Mm. And so what do you think the biggest challenge in your role is? So pers- personally for me, it's, it's, I mean, we have problems with the data. We have problems with um, finding, you know, GDPR, finding contacts, yeah. making, like, trying to make the, the rep days more streamlined and get them selling as much as possible instead of researching and doing admin and managing trials. All of those things are issues. You know, we'd love to have a pre-sales role here. But personally for me, it is just meetings and juggling. Mm-hmm. I'm in like five to six hours of meetings like a day. Really? Yeah. And you've got <laughs> so, to work. Yeah, and now I manage people as well. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it's 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 pretty much about prioritizing. Um but I think, you know, what I think what really helps is just always and, and this is how we've, we've structured our team we're all now tied to the revenue number mm-hmm. so everything is just our job is to make obviously the process more efficient have the best process yeah. in place but ultimately it's about hitting those quality and annual targets and having a strategy for next year so um always keeping focus on is this moving the needle is it adding value and is it or is it removing friction and do you think do you think tying sales up to the to the number for the team do you think that's that's the that's the way it should be structured do you think yeah. you should yeah. I do, and I think especially if you've got, I mean, if you as an individual individual contributor, if you get given a checklist of things to do to get to your bonus, yeah, you could smash all of those things. But yeah. has any of it quite landed? Has it been implemented properly? Have the reps adopted it? Um, that's the most yeah, important that's bit. True. Yeah. So um, I think um, Jay said the same thing last night. Yeah, he was, yeah, I was yeah, glad to hear it. Actually, that's yeah. how his team's always been structured as well and how do you this is a this is a different this is a question out of my head mm. how do you test the effectiveness of when you put in a piece of technology how do you actually prove its value in the business is it is it super clear once you've installed it and a month later they're seeing value from it how do you actually track how effective a new piece of technology is um well we, we actually sometimes bring things into salesforce so as soon as we got linkedin sales navigator yeah. that was quite a hard win for me internally to, to get across the line so because it's expensive yeah because yeah. it's the price and i i really wanted to bring it in for all of the reps but um we just didn't have the budget for that originally so i brought it in just for the sdrs mm. and then added obviously with lead source drop down so every time someone got contact from uh, sales nav in salesforce mm. they indicated it so that made it really easy for me to go to the FD and say, look at all of these extra contacts we've got and just show how effective it was. And also you get usage stats sure. from LinkedIn sales and have. So it made it quite easy for me. And then like two months later, we were allowed to bring it in for the whole team. Right. So I always try to, yeah. yeah, I think data is always, our company is very data driven. Our CEO is very data driven. Obviously our FD is. Um, so yeah, as long as you've got data to back up. Because you're a data business effectively, aren't you? Mm, yeah. You, you are true. a data business yourself, mm-hmm. so you appreciate the value of it. Mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so your biggest challenge, so you, what, what is your biggest challenge? And you just know, it's the prioritization. The, the prioritization mm. of, of, of your time. Mm. Yeah. So just being really regimented and organized, that's how you. Yeah. So you're exactly. Everything. Just prioritizing, keeping on top of what's important, what isn't. Um, I'd say the other key challenge that we have at the moment is hiring the right people mm. and the right 
uh, and then that's quite common one is yeah, yeah and but that the onboarding process as well has helped us to identify i mean it sounds quite brutal but if if, if someone's not quite right for all we can identify that so much easier now mm. and and actually in either work with them to try and work out where the where the problem is or you know help them find another yeah. option um not get rid of them help yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so do you have a single metric you judge sales users by yeah i actually i i've gone forecasting accuracy okay. um because to me that shows deal control mm-hmm. and and deal management and mm-hmm. relationship management if if a deal, if you if you can accurately say when a deal is going to come in yeah then it, even if it's even if it means you're going to fall short of your target, instead of having happy years and just over forecasting, which a lot of, of reps can do, and you know, I guess when you if you haven't got a huge amount of pipeline, then sometimes there is pressure to forecast, you know, things a bit earlier than they should. But I think reps that can generally get within ten percent of where they forecast at the start of the month that shows to me that they're probably doing, and it also means that um, in terms of knowing where to focus their time, so reps that can visualize their funnel and be like right i need to focus on top of the funnel this month because in three months time i'm not going to have any pipeline um and just having that control of moving the the deals through the stages and being able to accurately predict when they come in to me shows and also awareness of of, um as uh jordy said around the red amber green yeah yeah um not chasing deals that aren't going to come in like having Mm -hmm. some awareness of when a deal isn't isn't the right fit for us or the customer and getting that out of the pipeline early on i was thinking earlier today about the red amber green the i think i think that is a i think that actually allows a salesperson to use their gut sometimes Mm -hmm. in a deal they Mm -hmm. can actually just because every salesperson has a gut and they can get they they can truly understand if the deal's going to come in and their gut tells them that um, you've always got to leave some of that down to a salesperson. And I think the red amber green allows a sales user to be able to put that into a system to be able to say this is at that stage mm. and not just rely on the opportunity stages. Yeah, it's kind of adding like a qual- qualitative yeah. layer on the quantitative stages. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you actually, and you do fully use that across? The opportunity. We do now, yeah. So it's, even in Insight, Insight Squared, for example, it pulls everything from Salesforce and it'll say, like, here's your green forecast. Um, and then basically, Amber is your kind of upside for the month. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So every month, you look at forecasting accuracy for every rep. Yes. And you're like, and you'd speak to them if they were consistently. Yeah, and it speaks to them, but also it means that you, you can, you know. If some if they give you a number of hundred grand for the month, yeah. you know whether it's going to be high. Because some reps do the opposite and they will not commit anything. And yeah, then yeah. yeah, so we had a, a deal that closed last week, and until the day it closed, mm-hmm. it was forecasted for the end of May, <laughs> just because they don't want pipeline visibility. Yeah, so obviously by tracking that, why you can, would a rep not not want to do that? Um, under promise, over deliver. Okay. Better than yeah. over promising and under delivering. Sure. Nice. Which is kind of true, but you can't have the whole team doing that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Just yeah, just destroys that reason. Um, where are we on the question? We are okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you had to take any sales operations person to lunch, if I had to <laughs> in London, yeah, who, who would it be? I feel like I have to say Alex now, don't I? He said me. No, 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 you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I actually uh, I've been really lucky. So um, 
purely by chance when I was interviewing at uh, Signal mm. um, I think it was the day that I was meant to meet the CEO for my final interview he was busy talking to investors or something he didn't have time and um, he was going to be a bit late so they put me in a room and then just asked someone to come and keep, talk mm. to me to keep me busy basically and I felt bad sure. and it just happened to be this lady who um, she, she kind of had you know it was, it was kind of kind of relevant she was our head of operations and scaling mm. um, and she's worked at three different startups now through um, like exiting and she is effectively our kind of CEO now really mm. that's the role that she has here and uh, we we she was very intelligent and in the interview process I said but if when I got told I was successful I asked if she could be my mentor oh, nice. so then first day on the job I went over and I said I've heard you can be my mentor fantastic <laughs> and then ever since we've been meeting up fortnightly and because she comes from this like very operations heavy mm-hmm. um aspect and she just looks she just approaches things so differently to how I do so um it can generally just whatever I've got come up that week or if I'm you know putting together a strategy or I'm even thinking like how big the team needs to be or mm-hmm. anything like that I'm maybe not even think is relevant for her she generally has a quite different perspective on it mm-hmm. and kind of very much encouraging me to take a step back and think about things differently and think about it from a, a bigger picture standpoint mm-hmm. um because I think probably because of my probably my experience in my career I often get quite in the details it's a, it's a good practice to try and take a step back and not do that give her a shout out on the yeah Emily Bremner she's called she's amazing and, and, where, and where do you think you'll be the business in nine months so you've been in the business now nine months mm. about nine months more what's you know well I think um America's hopefully going to really take off so I'm going to be spending quite a lot of time over there um in the in the coming months so yeah, head of, hopefully head of sales up still, and uh, probably with a bigger team, I would imagine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that will happen. Mm-hmm. Any more questions? That's it. That's um, cool. But how? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, okay. Well, Kirsty, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I like so much. No, so each one of these, I get like one like golden thing, and this okay. was the monthly review and forecast accuracy. Mm. We don't do that, do we? No, I think uh, as Jay was talking last night, we don't do much forecasting because we're not quite um, at that stage yet. Mm. That, you know, there is a perfect time to do it. Um, so yeah, I think, but I think using the rag is something mm-hmm. we can probably start doing, mm. so we can start to forecast nice with some accuracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really good. Sweet. That's not how it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it on the webinar. <laughs> uh, cool. So we will be back. We had to do this on Wednesday because I'm actually away tomorrow, but we'll be back on Thursday. Next week, 5 p.m. Thank you very much for watching. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.